The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, folks, and welcome to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and... And Tammy Underwood. We're going to jump right into part two of the Keith Jesperson calls from 1-7 of 23. All right. So okay. we're back. Now we're back. Um, yeah. We're back. So, I mean, so basically, um, when they did the first search, they couldn't find anything except for this little handwritten note that said T. Bennett something, right? But then. That's right. They go back and they search again four days later, and all of a sudden in the trunk of her car is the section of, you know, the front section, the fly of a pair of jeans and a black purse. Yes, a small black purse and newspaper clippings about the murder. Okay. Um, okay. Now, my now question they, that's all is, sent to the crime lab. That's all sent to the crime lab. Right. Hang on. Section... Okay, so my question then would be is how would they even say that that was Tanya's purse when there was no ID or anything in it because you pointed out the purse years later? Well, of course I did, but that was planted evidence. They were looking for that. Right. See, Tanya Tanya had a a small Walkman radio or tape player, and she also had a small black purse with her IDs and everything, her, her, her stuff in it. So she had this. That was, that was probably what her family was had told her, told right. the police about. They're looking for. So they had, you know, the purse is so big. This is, you know, and, but they're looking for probable cause when they search the trunk of the car for something to bring John in for questioning. Right. And that was that was the whole basis of that search was to go out there and find something that they could they could point to and say, all right, well that that has something to do with the case. There's more to this. And the reason is not just the purse, but the patch off the jeans which, which was is key oddly because specific, that was never yeah. mentioned. That was never mentioned in, in the uh, the press report. Right. And it's not now, something Laverne that would somebody would just think of, you know, like, hey, yeah, there's a section La- of, you know. Okay, but Laverne would say later in life that, that the search warrant had that in it, and she was able to see the search warrant. Okay, so Ver- Laverne says that the original search warrant had that information in it. Okay, but it, did it? Oh, I, that's what, you know, I don't know. <laughs> that's the question. I mean, did it? I mean, if it didn't have it in there, and if she didn't see that, but even if she saw that, how would she know what size of the person they were looking for, for one? Yeah, what right? type of purse, what section, what type yeah. and whatever. And what type of the jeans, jeans? Because what kind of jeans yeah. they were? And were they a flyer? Was it buttons? What? It, yeah, button what flyer, it, zipper, right? uh, and all of that. Yeah. It would have to have been extreme details in a search. Okay, form. but when they found it, when they found this four days after they searched it the first time, everything was lining up. Right. right? Lined up with about the right size of purse that Tanya had. The right. You know, tats thing had buttons in there, not fly, not not a zipper. You know, they had newspaper clippings about the murder. It'd be interesting. The newspaper clippings about the murder were they? What dates were on the newspaper clippings? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, everything's in the details, right? So exactly. So she says the first search warrant had that in it. But was she smart enough to pull all that information to go and put that in and call them back later? 
Exactly. I think what I, I believe that Detective John Ingram. It's it said in the article that she kept calling the detectives okay. and talking over what happened in the past and past events and so forth and so on. The, the Jim McIntyre was covering their ass when he said she kept calling the detectives because she was. Right. So they had to they had to acknowledge that, that that's what was happening. So that's what hopefully. But what was really happening was I believe that Detective John Ingram said we need probable cause. We need to find this kind of stuff in your car. Okay. And they might he may very well went out there with it and set it in her car, then contacted uh, Detective Al Corson, the state police officer, said we need to go search the car, your house again. Apparently, Laverne says there's something in her trunk of her car she never saw before. Right. And then, boom, there they are. Here's just the key stuff they have to find for this case, even though the bo- the first original, the very first original uh, search of the house, they found a box with a note in it that says, T. Bennett, good piece, but they end up finding out that that was Laverne's own handwriting. Right. Right? So uh, when the crime lab kicked it all back, after they arrested John Putter in, in, in Washington County, that's when the crime lab comes back and says, it's all bogus, it's all crap, it's, just, it's, it's all false, it's all planted evidence. That's not evidence. That's, why, that's another reason why they had to go out there and talk to Laverne again. Well, where did this evidence come from? Well, they knew where it came from. Right. It, it, came, from John, it came from the detectives. You know, they were trying to push this case, this case on Laverne to implicate you know, John John Sosnowski. Right. They wanted this case to move forward, and this is how this case is. Now, it just happens that way. This is how it how, and, and the way it all played out is the way it played out. Right. So, if, if Laverne says it was in the search warrant, I guess you have to find a search warrant to see whether or not it really was or not. Right. And if it was, okay, so it was. But that would have to been, like, oddly specific in the search warrant. You know what I mean? Yes. I mean, like, oddly specific. Because it would have had to say buttonfly jeans. It would, you know, section of a buttonfly. It would have had to say exactly what kind of person it was. What what else? The question is, what else was in the search warrant? Yeah. What other other evidence was it now? So that evidence was brought in. But was there, they were looking for a half-inch nylon rope? Were they looking for the rope? Yeah. Did they find it? No. Were they looking for something else they didn't find? I don't know. I mean, there had to be something more to it. Now, a crime scene is not always the evidence left behind by the by the person that put the body there. Right. Sometimes a crime scene is littered with other objects that other people have discarded along the way oh, yeah, in totally. the years. Totally. So you never know what really is evidence, what isn't. I remember, uh, uh, you know, the, the reporter Phil Stanford told me over phone that they found a red-handled jackknife next to the body, oh. and of course I didn't put it there. Yeah. But he told me that was there, and I said, "Well, I, because I didn't know it was there, I didn't want to use that evidence trying to get her, trying to get them out of prison, because I didn't know whether that was that was true or not." Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because I didn't put it there. I didn't. There's other things that. See, there's kind of the, you know, I, I when I when I took the body up there, I was wearing my Cannondale bicycle shoes. Right. 
and I threw the Cannondale bicycle shoes away, and then how, you know, coincidental, a bicycle rider finds the body the next day wearing bicycle shoes, right? Oh, wow. So he's, he's walking around on, on, uh, in spots where I would walk around, but he's wearing bicycle shoes, so he's, he's the first suspect. Right. And everyone that, anyone that gets involved in a case, the very first one that finds a body is always a, the first oh, yeah. suspect. Oh, of And they, course. they go through and they, they discuss whether the person was there, whether he's really involved or not. And they have to eliminate that person. Well, he's, he's walking around a crime scene on bicycle shoes, and I left the body there when I, when I was wearing bicycle shoes. Okay. Cannondale hard cells, right? Now, I threw those away along the, along the interstate between um, when I got on the interstate and, and Troutdale. There's right. a model now. You could probably, even now, all these years later, walk along there and just take your time and probably find uh, those Cannondale bicycle shoes. I don't think anyone would have picked them up. Right. They'd probably still be there. You know, maybe, you know, it's uh, one here, then about a mile down the road be another one. They're not right. together. So they'd probably still be there. Not wow. like the shower curtain that Laverne said was there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. see, and that's the thing is, it's like, um, you know, if all of this evidence supposedly was in the first story, and then where did that evidence go the second story? You know what I mean? No. It's like. I understand what you're saying. It's just other people who didn't follow it closely or don't understand it be like, you know, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Well, you're right. It doesn't make well, any sense. Well, they don't care. Most yeah. people don't care. They, they look at it and say, well, the case is over. The people got out. Well, okay, great. Fine. You know, they don't want to know the details because it, 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 it just clutters up their life and they want to be involved in this. They don't want to, right. put, they don't want to put a whole lot of time in it. Right, and they don't want to believe that there can be, you know, that innocent people can actually go to jail for things they well, didn't do. Well, yeah, well, they, they, they want to believe that their prosecutors and the police are doing a great job, and most of them are. This is true. That's just it. Most of them are uh, the greatest the greatest people you could ever run into. They'll, you know, get their shirt off their back. They'll help you. They'll do everything like that. But you run into a few right. that know how the system works and will play the system and, and kind of push it in the wrong direction and True. and live with it. They're okay with that. Yeah. As far as they're concerned, all they're after is a conviction. And, and But then there's some of them out there that are, are very good, you know, righteous people that will actually go out there and do a great job. Right. This and is true. That's why, that's why when I read about them being arrested and one confessed, I was like, I just said, you know, this is a Perry Mason moment, man. <laughs> this Lieutenant Tragg, Lieutenant Tragg arrested the wrong people again. Right. And they need a Perry Mason to come along and get him out. But there was no Perry Mason. Wendell Berkman wasn't Perry Mason. He couldn't get couldn't get Laverne out. Right. So this is the this is the problem we run into is that sometimes the police do arrest the wrong people and put them away. That's why they go to trials. I remember uh, Dale Thompson that was in Clark County Jail for a murder of an old man, well, he was, uh, someone dropped a quarter on him and said he must be it. So he spent about six months in jail, and he was, a, eventually, the real killer came forward and said he acted alone. He, John, Dale wasn't involved at all. Right. But but that was just, that was the problem. And he was, he, he was dropped a quarter on They figured that he must have done it because he was talking about what ifs, all the what ifs. It's, 
that's that's the problem when you start talking to people about crimes. Right. They this wanna, is true. Want to get involved in this? Yeah. Everyone has an opinion, and if the if the opinion matches evidence in some direction, then the police get involved, and they think that well maybe this guy really is involved, or this woman's involved. Yeah. So we have to they have to go down they have to go down that road, and they have to check it out. That's why there's an investigation to find out whether or not the alibi is correct or not. Right. And in, in this case here, I mean they they had. Uh, had one woman that was trying to put somebody away that had a history of being in the law on the on the wrong side of the law at some point. That's why he was on probation. Right. So he was a he was a convict anyway, as far as they're concerned. So we're just putting another convict away. Right. Exactly. Putting him back in the joint, and then of course she's a nut. So we're going to use her to do this. Yeah. And 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 see when you watch the TV shows like Law and Order, they they say that we can't put things in the newspapers we have to keep things out so that it, so that people can't confess to these all the time right they can't have evidence only the killer could know because if they did then we would start convicting people that aren't really right. guilty of the crime that's why they leave things out in the newspaper well right. in this case they left things out but they when when they got somebody in that wasn't that they wanted to use her against it she was willing to do this Exactly. And of course, and of course, both of them are dead now. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, Laverne, Laverne died in 2003 of heart disease. She would have died in prison if I hadn't got her out. Right. But John died in, what, 2013, probably of drug abuse or something along those lines. And there's a chance he wouldn't have gotten out either. He right. would have died in prison. So, yeah. I know, and Scott's mad at Laverne as as for as dying. As, <laughs> yeah. No, her family, Laverne has sisters or daughters or something along those lines. And, of course, they would like to probably would talk to you about what Laverne confessed to them after she was convicted or while she was being convicted. But, you know, their their biggest thing was John was an abusive person, and that's why they, you know, I remember when I was getting them out, when I was in court, pleading guilty in the case, uh, they were behind me whispering thank you to me while I was, I was, I could hear them whisper thank you. And that's whether, that was the only thank you I got from their family was a whisper in the back of my ear. And then they mentioned that I turned around and winked at them. I winked at them and they were like, he winked at me. (laughs) Wow. Crazy. But anyway. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean. They're, they're, they're telling me thank you, and I turn around and, as acknowledgement, I wink at them. And now, of course, they made a big deal about how I winked at them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. you know. Now to, now, to explain how I got them out would be, that would take a little while. Right. I think we'll do that another day. Yeah, we can do that another day, because, yeah, it would take a, it, you know. It's, it's a long, drawn-out process. Right. But we can go through the details on that. Um, okay. And this this is something that, you know, they, they didn't want me to be a, be that person. Right. You know, in, in June of uh, June of 95, when Detective Rick Buckner of Clark County went public and said that he had the happy face killer in, in Clark County Jail, Multnomah County did not want to hear that. They were mad at the detective for not coming to them with the evidence that I was there so they could talk to me first. Gotcha. They were mad. 
they were mad. They made that in the LA Times story. You'll read that where they said they were upset that they'd gone to the press and not to them. Right. And that was that was pretty much the case. They were afraid. They were very. They were they were always saying that they had the right people in prison, but at the same time, they were fearful that the real killer would come forward and and get them out of prison. That was right. really. And this is a betting game. Oh yeah, totally. the justice system is a is a betting game. They're betting on the jury finding them guilty. They're betting on the evidence supporting them always through. And if it isn't okay, the bet didn't pay off. But they're 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 betting on the idea that the real killer would never come forward to get these people out of prison. They're yeah. betting on that. That's well, why yeah, they did. Because- they they would all they automatically assume okay so they this person got away with murder so why would they come forward now? Well, you know? until honestly, I guy got got arrested for another murder. <laughs> well, that's true too. I mean, and but, then of course I can't. The only reason, one of the biggest reasons, I've talked to my attorney. If I'd listened to my attorney and, and done what my attorney wanted me to do, the Bennett case would have been the last case I would have settled. Right. And so those people would have died in prison before I ever got around to getting them out. Right. And then by the time that would have happened, I would have had no jurors. I would have had no credibility because I was a convicted murderer. True, true. And and so if I had waited until I was a convicted murderer, it would have been even harder to get them out because we're all liars anyway, right? Well, yeah, exactly. You know, because we're, we're all innocent. We're all liars. In a court of law. <laughs> we're all liars because we're told we're innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. I cannot go to a court when on my arraignment and say I'm guilty because I just can't. The, the court will not allow me to do that. True. And in doing that, the court will enter a you know a not guilty plea on my behalf. Right. And then the press will run with this and say he was caught with a smoking gun and yet he pled not guilty. Yeah. Without saying that the judge entered the plea of not guilty for me. Well, kind see, and right. that's what people don't understand because people go, okay, well, why would somebody go to court after they confess to the crime and then plead not guilty? They don't understand that it's the courts are actually pleading not guilty for you to take you to trial. Yeah, you're, you're, you are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This right. is their right. And, of course, they, they, they like to use their rights, but then at times the public doesn't want us to use their rights because we're guilty. Right. Well, and and that's just it. It's like, I mean, because I didn't understand for the longest time either until I started, you know, researching and stuff that, okay, you have a full tape confession here. You have everything on tape. He's saying, I did it. He's showing you how he did it. How can he plead innocent now? Well, he's not. He's not pleading innocent. He's sick. The court is saying he's not guilty because they have to take it to trial. Yeah. Well, it comes down to degrees of guilt. Right. Nowadays, it's not right or wrong. It's degrees of guilt. That's why you have murder in the first degree, second degree, manslaughter, one, two, or three. You know, right. They Involuntary have all these manslaughter, yeah, all that. Well, okay, so then, then you must, your mental capacity, right? You're, you're innocent because you're nuts. Oh, yeah. Right? So oh, yeah. There's, there's all kinds of degrees of guilt. That's why they say you're innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. In a court of law, you bring in psychologists to prove that you weren't of right mind at the time, so you can get off on a manslaughter instead of murder in the first degree or right. second degree. Right. So this it this is their this is their way around the system. This is how they play the system. That's how come they they come at you with all these charges. Let's say they charge you with a rape charge, uh, kidnapping, murder. They lay this oh, yeah. all out there. You've got all these charges, and then 
when you finally sit down and you go through the evidence, you find, oh, the guy only did murder. So we have to, we will drop these others if you take a deal. Right. Right. Can you imagine if everybody went to trial in America? Oh, I know, right? If everybody said, we're not taking a deal, we're going to trial, the court system in America would shut down. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. They I would mean, not have, there's no, they wouldn't have, you wouldn't have all these court TV going on all the time. Right. Because you would have misdemeanors going to full-length trials. Oh, yeah. And, and they could not handle the, the influx of all the cases. Right. Well, and see, right and now with COVID, oh my COVID made, worse. Yeah. Is, is a big thing. It set everything back. Yeah. So not only, not only would that happen, but COVID is, is a prime example to what would happen. Yeah. They put, there's, there's cases that are three years in, in the rears right now. Oh, yeah. One of, one of the other things that really is, is detrimental to the justice is that you have, you have a right to a fast and speedy trial. Right. Which is 60 days. Most lawyers, when they get a hold of you, say, I don't have time to deal with this case. I've got 20 or 30 other cases I have to deal with. Right, so you so waive that, yeah. by the time that, I yeah. get around, I won't have time to investigate. So what I need to do is I need more time. So you waive the fast and speedy, which right. gives the prosecutors and your lawyer all this extra time. What ends up happening? Three years down the road, you finally go to trial. Why? Well, because you waive the fast and speedy. Right. But if you if you didn't waive that within sixty days, you'd have to go to trial, which would right. push all the other cases aside. Right, and, and your see, lawyer wouldn't have enough time to, to look yeah. at the case. Now, here's another fact: the prosecution has all this money to investigate, whereas a defense lawyer in a murder trial only has seven hundred and fifty dollars granted to them wow. for for an investigator to investigate your case. Yeah, because that's all the that's all the the court is going to give you right. in a murder trial is seven hundred and fifty dollars for an investigator to look into your case. Right. Well, and I'm looking at a case right now in California about this guy who was convicted of murdering three people. I think it's three victims, and his public defender, dead serious, his public defender had never defended a murder case before, had just been put on the roster as a public defender, and he had a gambling problem. Well, in California, they give each person, each attorney, you know, that's handling a public defending case, they give them a certain amount of money. Now, yeah. they, that amount of money has, goes to their billable hours and their investigation and all that other stuff. Well, what you don't spend, you get to pocket. So there's yeah. a corruption case there that's saying, okay, this attorney took that money and, you know, kept it personally it didn't and didn't, didn't investigate anything. Yeah. And so it's, so there's a big old thing that I'm, I'm like in the process of researching it right now. And so. Well, that, that, that falls in line with. Uh, yeah. Uh, misconduct. Yeah, exactly. That and just so, falls in line with the misconduct of, of, of the system. That's how come. There's more money made in appeals than there is in the real trials. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. I mean, and yeah. so it, like, it comes to the point where he's trying to fight now, saying he didn't get adequate representation. But, he probably didn't. Yeah, and so, but because he was convicted of murder, it's harder for him to get those appeals. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just a big old story. But, I mean, I can see where they would think that because he didn't, because there was another guy, another attorney on the case originally who had done some investigation but there was a conflict of interest, so he had to step down off the case. Well, when yeah, he the, stepped down, this is, other guy took over. Yeah. 
Yeah, the big point is, is the guy guilty or not? I don't think he is. Well, then, you know, this is your opinion, of course. Right. You know. Right. But, you know, he could be guilty. Yeah, he could be. He could be. He could be. He could be. So only he knows for sure whether he did it or not. Right. And, uh, you know, if evidence comes forward, like DNA and stuff like that, pushes it in his corner, you know, it's like, you know, I, I, I've seen it happen where the guys are going, like, I'm innocent, I didn't do it. And then they go to trial and they, they give up this 11-year or whatever it is, you know, sentence they were going to get on a plea deal. Oh, yeah. And they finally go to trial and say, I'm going to prove they lied about this and this. And they get in there and they, oh, yeah, they proved he lied, but they still gave him 42 years. Right. And they're going like, oh, my God, I can't do 42 years. Uh, maybe, maybe, and you ask them, well, did you do the crimes? Well, yeah, I did, but. I thought I could yeah. prove him a liar and I could get this thing knocked back down. Well, they were miscon, you know. Yeah. You know, they they didn't understand the law. Well, yeah, and see, and they, that's just it right that, there is people don't understand, you know, the concept of the law, and that's why when it yeah. came to my case and everything, my attorney told me he goes, you know what, Tammy, they're offering you a plea bargain of basically five years, and I was like, I don't want to do five years. He goes, well, you actually have a very good case. He goes, but you don't know what a jury's going to say. And yeah. I was like, okay, you're right. And he goes, because a jury might give you 25 years. And I'm like, eh, well, you know, might, I'd rather do yeah. five than 25. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, you're, this is a, you know, it's, it's a gambling. You're exactly. gambling with your life. Exactly. Do you, and, want, do you want, five years isn't long at all. Right, exactly. Compared to 25. And because I've done, I've I knew. I've done 27, and, it's, and it seemed like it's just a blink in the eye, but. I, I know, you know right? 27 has gone by, you know, plus I'm going on my 28th year. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is, but that's... Yeah. There's people in here that, you know, will never get out of prison because, you know, they're doing life without. Oh, yeah, On totally. one murder. On one murder. I oh, got, I know. You know. I got two in Oregon. I got... Right. Two, basically, I'm not, a, I'm not a serial killer in Oregon, because I only have two murders in Oregon, but I have... One right. in Washington and a couple in California, which makes me into a serial. But right in in currently in the way you really look at it, in 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 Oregon, I'm only guilty of two crimes in Oregon. Right. Period. You know, if you really want to get technical about it, I could tell all the guys. I said, I only got two murders in Oregon. And they're going like, No, you don't. I said, Yeah, that's all I got in yeah. Oregon. Yeah. You know, well, so see, you want to bring in all these other cases? That's that's on you, but. Right. Everyone else wants to argue what you only have in the, in the state. We'll see, and that's just it. Is like when I realized that all of my co-defendants were taking deals, I was like, you know what? I'll just take a deal because you know, yeah. What's the point of fighting it? Well, your co-defendants yeah. are going to stand up and lie to you. I mean, on stand, they're going to point to you. You're going to be the one to blame if you don't. Right, right. So the the one that makes the best deal is the first one. Right, exactly. It, well, see, and, and that's you just might, it. and that first one might be more guilty than than you are. True, but True. he's going to make he or she's going to make the best deal. The one that's the guiltiest right. is going to make the best deal. Right. And and you might have been the one. You might have been involved in saying, and you might have been parked in the car and being the the getaway driver. Let's say, and right. the other person goes into the bank and robs someone and kills someone. Now the murder happened in there, but you're still culpable to the murder because you're the oh, getaway yeah. driver. Exactly. But the you person know. that's going to make the best deal is the one that actually pulled the trigger. See, and I will state this about, you know, my co-defendant, who you actually know him. I will say this. He actually stood up and was like, no, I will be the last one to take a deal. Because 
You know, he took responsibility for what he did. And you know what I mean? So it's like, so I, I do give him credit for that. Um, well, Tammy, I really don't know your, your co-defender. Oh, you don't? I thought you knew him. No. Oh. No, I don't know his, I don't know his name. I don't, uh, oh. I don't associate with I mean, I, I might know him. No, I was going to say, I thought you I worked know, with him. I would, so. <laughs> I work with him. Well, yeah. that might be. It, but I work with yeah. a lot of people. Oh, oh no! I, so, I thought you would work. I thought you were working in the same job thing as he. I work him, in the closing right? room. Okay, I don't know if that's where he works now or not. I haven't talked to him in a while. Yeah, so I don't. I don't know. I mean, there's there's twenty twenty three hundred people here. Oh, that's true. I keep forgetting how big that place is. And so it's like it's like when I was driving truck, I'd be driving down the road, and I'd, I'd tell a guy, I said, "Well, I I was driving out of Yakima." He said, "Well, I, do you know so and so?" And like. No, and yeah, he says, that's well, everybody true. Knows him. And, and I'm like, there's, there's 50,000 people in Yakima. Well, right now, it's probably 75 or 100,000 right now. Right. But how would I know them? Because it might have been 20,000 truck drivers. <laughs> well, well, and that's true because I, I, I get the same thing when people find out I'm from Iowa. Oh, you're from Iowa. Do you know so-and-so? No, I don't. No. <laughs> no. I mean, I don't know all these people. Yeah. Uh, I try not to know very many people in prison at all. Okay. I try to not to, I don't want to know the guards' names. I don't want to be, unless I work with them, that they're there. I mean, they're, they're watching over me. That's the only way I, I learned. There's a lot of guards in here that, One minute that remaining. I've seen for, for 20 years, and I don't know their names. Anyway, wow. you want me to, do you want me to call you back? Uh, you can, yeah. Okay, I will. One more okay. time. Okay. Okay. Okay, we're back. All right. Okay, so, so did you, when you're talking to Scott, you know, we we're talking about Yakima, I he was on the he was on a run um, to Yakima to make a delivery and and I asked him what the address was on the where he's going. He told me and I so I gave him a play by play directions how to get there. <laughs> and uh, and he when I called him back later he said I ought to work for GPS. He said I I drove him right there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah totally. just that's memory for you. I yeah. Don't know where right. all these places are, but but so, yeah. The town is so big. You I mean you you can't know everybody, right? Right. And so in prison here, I don't know everybody. Um, I try not to. Right. Uh, I get I get confronted by people every day. Um, they know who I am. They want me to uh, to sign my autograph. I can't draw. I cannot put a smiley face on a letter or artwork or anything because I'm ordered not to. Okay. It's 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 a, it's one of those things I can't do because um, over the years I've been thrown in the hole for violating that order. Okay. You know I can't even write a a letter to someone and put a smiley face in the letter legitimately because wow. they say that's uh, I'm I'm promoting my my crime name. Ah, oh, gotcha. So, yeah, that's 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 your play on it. So they don't want me to promote my my. Uh, and so I, I'm limited to what I can and cannot do. That's what prison does. They put limits on you. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, totally. My, my old Shelly, uh, Terry Ring, who passed away a couple of years ago, he said that, uh, I told him when I first met him, I said, they have rules for you, and they have rules for me. Right. Even though, and he said, no, no, they're the same rules for everyone. I said, no, that's not the way it works. Because of who I am, I have a different set of rules for me that other that guards will not tolerate me for things that they would tolerate for him. Right. 
and over the years, he, he would he'd tell people that there are rules for him, there's the rules for me. There are different rules. Right. I have to follow a, a different set of guys. I have to really watch what I say around people, especially female guards. Right. Because, you know, my, my crime's against females. Right, right. And they go like, and they're fearful that I might say something that might be inappropriate. And even saying the word inappropriate will get me in trouble. Wow. I was asked one time about any questions. I was up in medical, and I said, well, it would be inappropriate for me to say anything. And so i have been reprimanded for saying inappropriate because I wouldn't say what I was on my mind. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I said, no, I can't. You can't ask them. You can't ask them what their job is, where they live, or anything like that. Wow. You can't get into a conversation where, if, you know, the, the problem, as you probably know, in prison, is that sometimes you get in, you find a guard that you can talk to. Oh yeah. And the next one you talk to shuts you down right away. Right. Right. We'll see, and that's just we'll see, and that. I guess it gives you a different perspective because being in the women's facility, um, it's, well, it could also be that I was so young too, cause I was 18, 19 years old. And so I had a lot of officers like take me under their wing, you know what I mean? To try to protect yeah. me. So, uh-huh. um, and then when I transferred from O-Dub to CRCI, the co-ed facility, it was like culture shock. Because I hadn't been around a man except for an officer, you know, a guard in like two and a half years. And so it was like, now you're putting me in a prison that's half men, half women. It's like, and you expect me to what, you know? And so. Co-mingle. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know. You're talk supposed to, to co-mingle and, and, yeah. and know the rules and we're yeah. not to trend. Exactly. To exactly. But yeah. so I, you know, and so, but I still had some of the officers like kept an eye out for me. I mean, I got a job in intake right away, which was unheard of. Um, you know, I never had to work in the kitchen or anything like that or be an orderly because I had these officers that would like, well, you know, there's too many, too many areas around those locations where you could get in trouble. Yes. That's, that's why they, they didn't want you to go there. That, you know, that's you probably true kitchen. too. We have, we have, we have knives in kitchen. You know, oh yeah, I know. Inmates, but we have <laughs> knives and, and we have spatulas, and, and, and I was a pot cook for a couple of years. I have this, I had a, a big old paddle that I could take someone's head off with. Wow. But I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I was a, I was cooking for the, they, they finally, they finally got me out of the kitchen with uh, kites. And the, the inmates were writing kites saying that if given the opportunity, I would poison the whole damn place. No, food, right? you're not a basic bitch. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And I looked at him and go, when they when they brought me in, the administration removed me from the kitchen. They said, you know, all these kites are coming, and they're fearful that if given the chance, I would have stirred up botulism or something like that, and and, and poisoned the whole crew, right? The whole yeah. I said, really? Are you are you your friggin' mind? It's like yeah. crazy, right? It's like when I was four days after I got here, I got called in the security office. And there's a kite. Some some guy had wrote a kite saying that uh, if if I did if he didn't bring back smoking, I was going to start killing the guards. Right? That you were? Uh, that I was going to, and they oh. signed it with a smiley face. Right? They didn't they didn't put they put my name on it, and they put a smiley face on it that I was going to do this. Well, they called me in. and They said, "Did you write this?" And I said, "No. Why?" 
He said, "This is this is the I read the message. It was in. They had the kited plastic, so I, you know, I couldn't put my fingerprints on it, whatever." And I said to him, "I said, you know, the funny part on this is that I don't smoke." Yeah. Yeah. So why would I want smoking back in a place that I when I don't smoke anyway? Exactly. But you know, this is what people do in prison. They 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 try oh, yeah. to get things done and they point in different directions. Oh, totally. it's like I was working there. I was working in a call center, and while I was working in the call center, someone was doing the little emojis uh, when they're when they're doing the uh, upgrading on the addresses and stuff on the on the on the list on the mailing list on the uh, telephone list. Uh-huh. And every time they put it in, they put a little emoji with a smiley face on it. And then later in the day, I get this complaint. I mean, they're complaining that there's a little emoji was showing up on all these uh, updated addresses and, 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 and email addresses and stuff. And they said, well, it has to be me, right? And so they came to me, and I was like, well, no, I'm not doing that, but I'm sure that you can trace back who had that call right? and who updated all that information. And so when they did, they found out the guy doing all the complaining that it was me was him. Oh. Yeah, he was <laughs> trying to get, get me out of the call center. He didn't want me there. He didn't want to work with me. Wow. So that's what I have to deal with. So I have to deal with this. That's why I've been in, like, when I find a job, like, in the clothing room, I've been down there, like, 11 years. Wow. So I do the clothing room. Right. And uh, that's all I do. I don't, I don't, I feel no need to go to industries anymore. Right. I do my, I do my artwork. I stay busy. And I do my own time. And I just uh, follow along and, and just you do, get into a routine, and that's it. Right. That's how that's how you do prison time. That's how you oh, do yeah. a lot of time. Yeah, you have. You don't to get, get involved. You don't yeah. get involved in gambling. You don't get involved in, in, in owing people money. Right. You don't want to get caught up in all of that. You don't want to get into the drama of gang warfare or whatever. You want to get away from all that. So you just do your own time. You develop sort of a friendship pool of people that you deal with. And uh, keep your head up and then have eyes on the back of your head at all times. Oh, totally. Totally. Because it could happen. It could happen in a minute. They always envision someone coming up behind you and always watch the guy go on by you to make sure that they keep going by. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it, but, and that's, um, that's prison life. That's the way it is. Right. That, no, and, and that's you still true. can't see every. You can't see everything. You oh, never know. Sometimes your friend is the one that's going to come at you. Oh yeah. Because you know they have like gang initiations in here where uh, you're on a hot list of people they have a green light on, so that if you if they beat you up, then they can belong to a gang. Right. So yeah, I, I was on a hot list for a long time, and then then a lot of the uh, the the shot callers took, you know, I got along with them so much that they. Uh, and I like they like my artwork, and they like getting it from me. That I told them that I wasn't going to do them any more artwork if I get if I keep getting beat up all the time over crap like this or get shot. You know, a guy coming up and rabbit punch me and run off. Oh man, we can't have that. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, and it's yeah. true. I mean, you do. You have to develop this routine and everything, and then, um, yeah. I mean, because otherwise you go crazy too. You know what I mean? Well. Yeah, well, there, there's a there's a someone who was out on the street yakking about uh, he, he beat me up in prison, right? 
Uh-huh. Someone said out there that he'd been claiming that he was uh, in a fight with me and he knocked my ass out or something like that. Everyone I've been in a fight with is still here. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, so the guy that the guy that's claiming this, I would I would say to him, I said, well, okay, give you your SID number. Right. And uh, we'll find out if you were even in here for one, and then uh, find out what your crimes are. Right. And then we'll find out uh, from your fellowship in here whether or not anything right. would happen. And of course, uh, he would have to if if the if that was the case, he would have a write up with my name in it. True. That's true. And and he would have to you know he'd have to have that write up and and there's no way that would happen because like I said everyone that I ever got in a fight with is still here. Wow. Yeah, I mean the the first one that I got in a, is what was uh, JB. Let's just call him JV, and he eventually ended up on death row for being involved in a slice and dice on upstairs and activities. Wow. And then of course the governor set that aside so now they do a natural life yeah i was going to say the governor brown set aside everybody's death penalty this last yeah so everyone's yeah. got natural life instead of the death sentence which is okay you know yeah. i mean they're they're all walking the yard or if they're if they killed another inmate in here they, they moved to another facility and they still put them in protective custody or something right. along those lines right they have policy they have to follow yeah now yeah. um I was going to ask. I was going to ask you a question. I can't remember what it was now. Oh well, I can't think straight right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know whether or not you're on my visiting list yet or not. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, because I was going to tell you that. Hang on. Let me. I have my email up here. I submitted it again on December sixteenth. Okay. So. Yeah. I'll ask the question. I'll ask whether or not it's been approved or not. And that's yeah. the only way I can find out. Yeah. Because, yeah. and I did tell, say that, you know, it was my second one, so. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, it's like the phone system here. A lot of the people that I had on my phone lines, I can't call because they haven't registered. But they did register. But for oh. some reason, they didn't register. <laughs> oh, how weird. So, That's weird. So now I have to wait for them to re-register so I can call them. And some of these people is, is, are the normal ones I call all the time, which now they have to wait. I don't know how long it's going to take for them to register on the phone now to get approved or not. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, oh, my goodness. I'm starting to get a headache, but it's all good. Well, we've been at it for a couple hours. <laughs> oh now. yeah, that's that's not it. It's just because of the um, having COVID. You know, it's oh like yeah. When because yeah. I was so like achy and tired and stuff like that that it's like I'm just now starting to get my strength back. That well, you know, we have you know, the prison system is is like you know a petri dish. Oh yeah. One person gets it. Everyone gets it. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Is do you guys still have the events and stuff like the car show and stuff that they used to have every year there? Well, the car show would would happen if we didn't have COVID. Okay. So the question is, I guess, comes up is we don't have live bands come in or the car show until we get a green light on COVID and they allow it to happen. Oh, okay, got you. Got uh, you. That's not that's. That's not going to happen probably until, you know, it might be gone forever. Who knows? Yeah. You know, they, they're, they're, 
they're shutting down. We used to have the Lifers Club had uh, a barbecue that we have barbecue out there every Saturday, and we they sell you know product, but that that went south really quick. They shut that down, and we had an ice cream machine. They shut that down. Coffee makers and stuff. Yeah. Wow. They're trying to make this into Club Med, and of course that that didn't go over well. So now yeah. the, everyone is shutting all this down, and and we're going back to prison life again. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that was my question. You know, I just wanted to know if they still held outside events and you know what I mean? Like stuff like well, that. Well, I, I wish now, now Scott, Scott asked a question about coming in as a live band to play right. in here, but he could if he wasn't on my visiting list. Oh. Because he's on my visiting list, they will not allow him to come in and, oh. and conduct a band, uh, uh, you know, a, a concert with me. Uh, being on he being on my visiting list. So if he was an outside if outside party that uh, had no connection to this place, then he could come in. Of all gotcha. things. that's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause it's, I it's, a, it's purely political. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Because yeah. I remember I had a friend. Uh, well, she was at coffee. She was at Odub and then Coffee Creek. And she's since passed away, but um, they used to have events and stuff where um, visitors and children and stuff, like, I think they had a field day one time, which was just, you know, a, kids come in and, you know, participate in different events and all that other stuff with their inmate family. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was just wondering if you guys still had those kind of things going well, on. Well, you know, the Lifers Club has, you know, they have their banquets every year, but we haven't been able to bring in the population of the, our, our guests. Okay. We're able to bring our guests, like our wives and our girlfriends or whatever right. that's on our visiting list. We're able to bring them in on 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 those nights when we have a banquet or something. Right. And and so I'd go in there and I'd I'd be there. I wouldn't have anyone with me because I'm not married. Right. Right. And I don't I don't have that special someone that you know that I could have called and bring in. But I'd go in there anyway and I'd watch the, the crowds develop and so forth. And it's 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 great to see people having family it really is right right you know but it, it, you know my, my, my daughter uh melissa is on my business but doesn't come in and see me right and i haven't heard from her at all on even i've, I've sent letters to her talking about brutal nation oh okay and i said to her as well why don't you be on brutal nation why don't you come on and we'll debate your uh, your your stories you know right. let's, let's bring your stories up to up to date here if you want to Let's talk about it. Let's let's put this all out there in the open so we have a. So it's not a. I know she wants to do a podcast and have me on podcast, but she she would edit everything into her favor. Right. That's what she would do. She would just you know it would it, if it didn't fit her narrative, she would she would cancel it and move forward and into some right. other direction. Right. Well, it's, yeah. and that's just it. Is you know, so. Um, no, like I said, I was just wondering if they still had all that stuff going on because, yeah. I mean, I don't care what a person is in prison for. They still deserve to have family and friends. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's And right. so um, I am a huge supporter well, visiting, of programs like that. Well, visiting was shut down for a while because of COVID. Right. I everything was shut down for COVID. Yeah. You know, everything was shut down. So even So we only had phone calls and mail. And that's how it is. Now, that's just that's how it, this, this whole damn thing is, is played out, and it's going to continue to play out 
you know, they're going to have more strains of this, and it's all going to, they're going to use that. It's going to be a, a boondoggle, let's just say. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's just going to, it's going to carry on, and it's going to just, it's going to tear apart a lot of different programs. Yeah. We'll see, and yeah. that's just it. Is I mean, unfortunately, I mean, like I said, I went on two years without getting it, and then finally one day, my son, who works in uh, an assisted living facility, got it, and he gave it to me, little brat. <laughs> well, it is what it is. You yeah. Know, well, he, but, he wanted to give you something that nobody you know, else has. Yeah, and he had it over Christmas, so of course, <laughs> I had to have it over New Year's, right? Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. and and the weird thing is is even though we live together and everything, we don't have very much contact with each other. And so the one day that we had a lot of contact was Christmas uh not Christmas Eve, but the day before Christmas Eve when he actually took me to the movies. And so it's like, yeah, well, there you go. Hey mom, can I <laughs> hug you? Yeah, right. Let's <laughs> sit by each other so you can get sick too. Let's share some spit and get, yeah. get that COVID going. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, thank you, thank you, son. I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah that's what I said. I'm like, I'm gonna yeah. hurt you because I yeah, don't do well, sick very well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the way it is. I mean, the poor poor kid probably feels bad enough as it is. Oh yeah, he did. I mean, yeah. he, he did yeah. feel bad, but it was just like you know. But um, yeah. that's what you so get. So where, have... where do we where do we want to go with? Or uh, I'm sure you've got more things you want to talk about. Um, so just... we'll we'll go. We'll probably continue on with uh, how I got him out of prison. Yeah, we'll we can talk about that. Uh, yeah, because we can. Any go more into questions? That. Any more questions about how they were in prison? Um, I don't know yet. Yeah. Um, I will come up with something um, along those lines. But I think that since you know since this month lines up specifically we're going to address the tanya bennett case you know in its entirety now yeah you know i think i think photos i mean you i don't know what a podcast does but is anything visual in a podcast no no it's all like a radio but we do have a website and a blog that i can post photos yeah you can post you can post what the what the traffic was up there yeah on a and, and every wide spot now when i went down there you know 33 years ago Every wide spot where people could turn over, turn off the, the roadway, was filled with cars with girls and guys making out. Oh, yeah. I, I assume that's what they're doing. Right? Well, Vista Ridge used to be well known for, like, make-out lane over there. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And the, and the sheriff department, the Multnomah County Sheriff Department, on an hourly basis comes up and, and drives past it just to keep a, an eye on it. Right, exactly. And that's exactly. what almost caught me. Almost, they almost caught me. In the process of putting the body down there because that was the car coming around the corner. Oh, yeah, I so, remember you saying that. Yeah, so they were on, on every... And I didn't know this, but I had a Washington State plate on my car. So oh, wow. I looked like a tourist. I looked like a tourist, so they didn't bother me. I was at Washington Plates, and I was just driving through, so they didn't bother. And I looked over in my mirror when they went by, and I was like, oh, God, really? That was close. <laughs> right. But that was... That's how it, how it works out. But, yeah, this is a local makeout spot all the way along that roadway. Now, they made it sound in the story that there was nobody up there. Wow. That they were the only ones up there. That this is, they did this, and then, and they came out, they talked about how it rained and then um, how it was raining, and, and it wasn't raining at all. I think right. that when, when, the, when the bartender said it was, it was a rainy day, they just mm-hmm. went with that. 
they that's just what the detectives do. Right? They just rolled with it, and that's yeah. what they. And then all you have to do is go to the almanac, right, right, and bring that up about what what was the weather like in in Portland and Gresham area on on January twenty first, twenty second, twenty third. Now on the if you go to the Oregonian newspaper, that's the one they probably they they published that article in, but. The very first article in the metro section was on the 23rd, on that Monday, and there's only a small paragraph in the very back page telling of, of a body found in the Columbia River Gorge with a rope tied around the neck. Okay. That was yeah, the only only article. Yeah, because it's actually, that's my birthday weekend, actually. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, because my birthday's on the 23rd, so, um, so you wow. said the article was printed on the 23rd, right? Yes, for the Oregonian newspaper, and it was just a small one in the back page of Metro. It just said, or, uh, a body found in the Columbia Records with a rope tied around there. That was it. Oh. And then, of course, you know, within eight days of, of, of them finding her body, uh, Loretta, I think that was her mother's name, Loretta Bennett, uh, identified her at the morgue. Okay. And then that's when the evidence started playing out for... Uh, where they went, started looking, where did she normally hang out at, and all this other thing, and that's how they came to the B&I Tavern. And those two men were were playing pool with her, you know, on the on the south table, okay. uh, pool table, when I walked in. Wow. You know, someone said, open? someone said, I think one of the barmaids, I think the barmaid said that uh, that that new Tanya said that she didn't understand men very well. She didn't get it. I think that's oh. what the words were. She didn't get it. She didn't realize the draw card that men had with women. Right. It was. It was almost like she was. Um, she thought. You know. She. Her went back to her menta- mental capacity of, of of what she thought people were around her, like acquaintances and so forth. She didn't understand the attraction or right. why we would want to have sex with such a beautiful girl. Right. Kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, what would be the attraction? So they, I think she's, she's trying to imply that naiveness that, that she had. But that oh. there again, it goes along with the idea that she was mentally not all there. Right. No, that's true. I mean, and then, I mean, I can see somebody having kind of that naivete about them because she was kind of young and all that other stuff. But at the she's same 23. time. 23. Yeah. So, twenty three, but she might have only had the she might only had the mentality of of, of twelve or fourteen years old. Yeah. Maybe I'm not know. I have no idea. All I know is that we when we go to a bar, we don't go there to get smart. Well, that that is very that is very true. That is true. We go there. I mean, I think she fit into the crowd because she wanted that was a place she could fit into the crowd when everyone else is being stupid. I hate right. to really say that when everyone else is being goofy drinking a little bit and let their hair down. They she kind of fit into the crowd better. Well and see and that's and I just think that's it. why she went there. Yeah. I think that's why she went to the bar. Yeah, you know, so oh my goodness. But Well see um, I don't know her. I don't know her and of course they try to claim that Laverne knew her. Right. Through Damascus Hospital. There's something about with Damascus Hospital over there by um I don't know where the hell that is. I think it's off of off of two oh five somewhere. Or somewhere over by maybe it's off of I five and two oh five. I don't know, somewhere around there. Right. Yeah. 
So I'm trying to see if BNI is still open. I don't. BNI might have a different name. Yeah. Um, oh. I think if I were to write out and, and send out a map, I'll draw a map. Well, of I the found area. the old address, so. Um, it's on Stark Avenue. Yeah. I might it's, just drive uh, you, by that area. You go to 181st Street, turn turn uh, east on Stark, and it's on your right side, right before the road takes a turn to your right. Okay. Right? Yeah. See, Burnside, Burnside takes a, uh, crosses over right, right past that. Right. It crosses over. So Burnside crosses over, and there's a mall right there. It's a Fred Meyer Mall, and it's kind of off the off the side, kind of kitty corner from the from the uh, Fred Meyer Mall there, or it used to be. It might be, uh, might not be there anymore. I don't know. But yeah. they used to have a they used to have a, a, a building center. Fred Meyer had a building center on on the um, on the uh, south side of Stark Avenue. Right. And there's a cheap deal. There's a cheap dealership there on the corner. I think on 181st and 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 Stark. I think there's a cheap dealership on the corner. Maybe something like that, or right okay. in that area. But yeah, there's. Uh, I used to walk around here, and there's a Radio Shack. I'd go to the Radio Shack. I'd go to the. I'd go to the grocery store. I'd help. I'd help some of these people going out to the car with load groceries. I'd walk out there and and, and help them load their car with groceries. Wow. Just just because I was bored, right? Right. <laughs> so I was a people person. I was watching people. That's what I did. I'd go right. to the mall, and I'd watch people walking around, and and it's like when I went to my 20-year high school reunion. I, I was in the Yakima Mall. I was walking in the Yakima Mall, and I saw this girl. And I walked up to her, and I convinced her to go to go to my 20th high school union all weekend. And she spent the weekend with me. And everybody I saw later, you know, maybe a year later, I was talking to them. They said, "Where's your wife at?" I said, "Where's my wife?" And she said that she said the name, and I said, "Oh no, no, I met her at the mall the day before. <laughs> I brought her to the I brought her to my 20-year high school union as my date." Wow. And and they didn't real they thought she'd been married to me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's kind of strange, but really, she was a very beautiful, nice lady. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But I picked her up the mall. <laughs> well, there you go. See, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and she rode around in the truck with me all weekend long. I didn't kill her. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> well, see, and that's just it is. I mean, people have said too. You know, it's like. Um, Anybody, any female that was associated with him was at risk. It's like, no, I don't believe that's true. No, no. You no, know? No, no, no. I, I had a girlfriend write me from Helena, Montana. She said, thank you for not killing me. And I was One like. One minute remaining. And I was like, really? You really had to go down that road. Right, right. That was that was one minute remaining, so. Okay. Well, we will talk to you probably next week. And you'll probably okay. talk to Scott in the meantime. But. Um, All right. But, yeah, so we'll figure out where we want to head next. I'll see if I can dig up some of this information and bleach reports and stuff, and All maybe right. we can go off that. Okay, check out guilty details on beyondthecrime.com. Okay, <laughs> I will right. do that. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, folks, remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, <clears throat> Crime Beat on Medium. And wherever you get your blogs. Uh, what else? Oh, check out the uh, the links in our bio for merchandise. 
This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved, and we will see you guys later. Bye-bye.